Hi everyone, in this podcast I'll be talking about this book I've read recently called Mastery, uh, written by Robert Greene. So Robert Greene is somebody that specialises in strategy, basically power strategies. So he's written the books like 48 Laws of Power, 33 Strategies of War, The Art of Seduction, Mastery and Laws of Human Nature. Now I've come across the 48 Laws of Power before and I've, through an audiobook and I found that it was pretty interesting because what this book talks about is about principles and concepts in life that is supposed to help you navigate life in a way that's much more easier. And at the end of the day, I tend to think of it as this. The reason why this book and this author resonates with me very much is because he talks about principles in life. Like, how do you navigate life? And chances are, whenever we grow up as a kid and, and as an adult and try to navigate life, we're given advice by our parents. And this is not, uh, not a criticism at our parents, but... Our parents are given advice from their parents and also they go through the observation in life. So whenever they give advice to us, they always give it from their point of view, their own experiences. And also that also means that we have to exercise our judgment. We have to exercise our creative, uh, I mean, our analytical nature when it comes to digesting advice from them. For example, let's say you have a parent who is very risk adverse, as in they don't take a lot of risk in your life. So whenever they tell you something or you want to do something that you feel like you're prepared to do and you have adequately you know, prepared uh, to mitigate all risks, they, their advice is to you is always to take the safer route. So I think that when it comes to reading books like books written by Robert Greene itself, because what he does is that he illustrates different principles in life and he ties it with the story, chances are then you can sort of consume the information uh, from a more objective standpoint. And I feel that when you consume information from a book, effectively, you are less emotionally involved with the author per se. So whenever you're consuming something, you have a slightly more objective view, as well as this book is about what he has come across and ties back to stories. And then you can figure out for yourself, like, does this really apply to you? And the reason why I picked up this book, Mastery, and I wanted to share with you guys is that because... This book, I felt, is more about talking about how to navigate your career. How do you navigate transitions to your career? How do you enter the workforce? And how do you gain mastery over your industry that you choose? And the reason why I think this book is interesting is because it doesn't talk about interviews. It doesn't talk about writing resumes. It doesn't talk about, you know, uh, it doesn't talk about all those those nitty-gritty things, but rather it talks about broad picture. It talks about how everybody enters the workforce with excitement. Everybody wants to learn and do new things with their skill sets. Everybody wants to contribute to society. Everybody wants to find fulfillment at work. But as we enter the workforce, we realize that there's a lot of hard work ahead of us. There are things that we have to learn and those things will take time. Sometimes we have feelings of self-doubt. Sometimes we are given tasks that we feel we are not adequately prepared or sometimes opportunities come across our life that we feel we are not prepared just yet. However, because of the nature of our job, we have to quickly start learning new things and start implementing and start taking things challenge and try to move quickly ahead. Now, this is all good and well, but I think what largely people struggle with is that there are times in our work that we feel boredom, impatience, fear, and confusion. And that is the time probably when we stop observing and learning. And when that happens, that's a little bit of a kiss of death because that is probably usually, usually around the time where we feel inertia, we feel where we plateau at work. 
for some of us, maybe we have taken the job for say two to three years and we sort of developed some sort of mastery of our operational day-to-day tasks as in we can deliver our day-to-day tasks. Uh, we understand what the people, uh, what our stakeholders want, what our bosses want, what our clients want, what our colleagues are looking for that we are working in the, uh, interdependently. And we figure those things out. So the question is next is that when people want to find more job satisfaction, I think it's about understanding that we will face situations in our work that sort of, that sort of um, gives us feelings of boredom, impatience, fear and confusion and trying to figure out like how can we get past those situations? What is our ultimate goal in our career? Like where are we standing right now? And how do we go for more new challenges or learn new skill sets? Or even sometimes it may be the case that we may find ourselves being called to try new different industries to work in. So I think that this book is pretty much interesting because it talks about three levels when it comes to finding mastery in your work and in your industry itself. The first level is apprenticeship. So apprenticeship means is that when you're first entering the industry, you have a ton of things to learn. You're probably going to learn about it through observation, asking questions, and also uh, looking at how people do things. <coughs> so the second level is creative active. So creative active means is that now that you've done operational tasks, you kind of roughly know what to do on a day-to-day basis. It, now you're looking about how do things connect with one another? How do concepts connect with one another? How does maybe your tasks fit in the larger scheme of a of an organization. How are things interdependent in your work? Now you move on to the final level, which is mastery level. Mastery level is a level I like to call as probably Yoda level, because at this level is that you can see things with clarity, you see things from an overview point, you see things uh, more of a strategic point level. And this is, I feel, when it comes to people that thrive at their work, for example, uh, people that work in senior management roles or people that are involved in strategy and executing strategy and also advising is because they understand how the operational stuff works, they understand how things interlink with each other, but now they have overview level as in they are able to take a very objective view on how things on a larger framework and then they can begin to advise people and, and to solve problems and to fix problems and to even suggest new things that people can try. Now, if you think about it, mastery level it sounds like an incredible level to be at because people at mastery level get paid more. For example, people at senior management levels because of their expertise and their responsibilities and their insight of how things work, they get paid more. There's more respect because those people, whenever they look at the problem, they're able to recommend things that people at maybe the first and second level cannot see yet or people at the first level don't have experience yet to be able to see things differently. So people at mastery level are people that get paid more, have more influence, get more respect, and also they do command a lot of authority and influence within the industry itself because people know that um, they have gone through the first and second level and now they're at mastery level. So basically is this, um, this book is about encouraging people how they can develop their mastery and also telling them is that whenever you're going through the first and second level, you have to have patience and you have to have the vulnerability in the sense that you're willing to try new things. And it's about telling you that it takes time to master something. When you first enter industry, when you're first as a fresh grad, sure, you may not know a lot of things. You have to have the humility to learn, to observe, and to also uh, start consuming a lot of information and observing things around you, how things work. 
and it may take time. And, and as human beings, we shouldn't be trying to rush the process. Although we are quite addicted to the, the tips and tricks culture, the hack culture, where you know, if people want to achieve a result, people try to like, get it the fastest possible way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think this book talks about the fact that when you're going through the apprenticeship level, when you're going through the creative active level, it takes time to master these levels. And, and you should be patient and you should obviously do your best to go through these levels, but it's important to understand that it takes time to master. There's no way you can bypass certain things. You know, there are things in life, I believe, that there are, there are ways to get around it, like there are hacks. And there are things in life where you really have to put in the time because only then you'll be able to develop, develop those skills. And more importantly, I think with this book is that it talks about how you should begin to develop your instincts. And developing instincts mainly comes from being observant through what's happening around you and taking the necessary steps. And some people may have this instinctive ability to figure out what to do. And, and for some people, it's like, it's quite crazy as in, they know what to do and they didn't learn it through a book, but that's their inborn nature. For those of us, slightly unfortunate people, there's still hope. Um, but for us, I think it will take time. That means we have to be patient with ourselves and at the same time begin to practice observational skills. Because for the most part, when people rely or, or are or sorry or, if people are overly relying on other people for insights for observations right what it does is it creates dependence it creates an addiction in the sense that you rely, you rely on other people to tell you what you should do or you rely on other people to tell you what you should be observing for yourself and that's a vulnerability right there is because in that sense that you don't trust yourself enough to develop some sort of observation and then take action based on what you observe and when we take action based on what people have keep on telling us, number one, they could be wrong. Number two, we don't realize that we still hold the consequences of our actions itself. So I think what is also important about this book is that it says that we, when we want to be a master of what we are doing from a world level or even industry level, it's important to understand that there are times where you can feel overwhelmed. And that also means that when you feel overwhelmed and you do not observe that about yourself, you end up retreating. So you don't try a lot of things, you, don't, you limit your action, and you think you're in control. And that, that is actually the opposite. Um, because I think that basically is this is that we have to understand on some level there has to be a certain level of discipline and effort when it comes to finding the work we enjoy, finding the industry we enjoy, and how to push through when it comes... We become bored of like and stagnant where we are. So it means is that I what what concept this book actually talks about is also about self entitlement. It's also asking this fundamental question is that are we becoming entitled when we no longer want to struggle because we think that things should come to us easily, and even on the work front I think the the sort of like incredible idea that's pumped through social media nowadays is about finding the work they're incredibly passionate about. What that doesn't go and said is that the people that have developed the work they're passionate about have also spent the time and also the discipline to create create skill sets. Sorry, to develop skill sets that have enabled them to be at the top of the industry and also then get more opportunities that's presented to them. <coughs> so in essence, what it's this book is trying to say is that nothing happens through 
through like surprise or inactivity. And the three things that the book talks about, which is saying that you have to see your attempt at attaining mastery as something extremely necessary and positive. Well, I would translate it as if you don't do anything, you will die. So my response about how this, my opinion about this particular sentence is this. There's always somebody who's younger than you, more hardworking, more hungry, more disciplined, and will do things at a fraction of the cost. So whenever we don't, we're not a, an expert or a master at our field, easily what happens is that there's always other people out there that want opportunity and that they could do things better than you. So the incentive is that you have to be able to be a master at what you do at the same time, understand there's a necessity that's there so when we understand that things are necessary for us, it become, makes us motivated. So we're not motivated out of maybe a sense of fear, but we're motivated because we understand that there are things important that if we want to survive in this world, we have to become master at our industry and our work as well. Now, the second item is that this book talked about was also this. People get the mind and quality of brain that they deserve through their actions in life, which means your brain will support you whenever you do stuff. Now, if you are committed to fixing problems or committed to finding solutions to problems, necessarily what your brain will do is that your brain will think of ways to support you. Your brain will say, okay, let's troubleshoot this problem from a certain angle. Maybe try another angle. Maybe talk to somebody that may know how to fix this problem. And end of the day, I think is that when you're moving in your life, your mind will help you, but there must be things that you're doing right now and it's like a feedback mechanism loop. Whenever you try new things, your mind will keep on saying that, okay, um, maybe this worked, maybe that didn't work. Maybe if that didn't work, let's try to find something better. And also what I think this is important is because if people who are very passive and don't do stuff, your brain actually dies. So the incentive is that you are supposed to work and see how far can you extend control of circumstances. How far can you push through and go beyond? And that is also rewarding for yourself because in that way also you develop self-esteem in the sense that you understand like they have gone through such and such problem at work and you have developed solutions around it. You have developed better understanding. You have developed better skills on how to, do, to, to, to deal with such problems. And that also means that on some level, as you become a master at your work and industry itself, your sense of self-esteem actually increases because you're actively doing things that is uh, sort of gearing yourself up to fix problems in life. So this book also talks about basically when it comes to figuring out what you want to do in your life, it's not just the YOLO bullshit nonsense that you see on social media that says that, oh, you should find your passion and maybe like become... I don't know, like, you know, they, like nowadays I find social media, it's, it's incre- increasingly annoying. It's because people have this sense that things should come easily to them, as in they should be parting somewhere at the same time, raking amounts, huge amounts of cash. And that's, that's an interesting dream to have. But at the same time, I think that to be realistic, there should be a level of discipline and self-awareness and also... Uh, a level of intention, objectivity when it comes to trying to find out work that you enjoy. And I think is that the main thing is that to go through the two levels, which is apprenticeship, where you observe a lot of things and you begin to try to understand how things work, and also creative, active, which in the sense that now you understand how things 
work on operational level. You're mapping ideas and trying to experiment new things and see how things work. So I think that when we put our effort into, our, when we put serious effort into tr- figuring out how discovering our passion in life is, it's not about just throwing a dart on the dartboard and saying, okay, that's my passion and I'll go full force with that. I think it's about going through the two phases developing skill sets along the way, developing patience and resilience and fortitude and also um, a certain level of attitude and mindset that helps us navigate life. And when that happens along the lines, then we will be able to start finding mentors or we start to decipher unwritten codes on political behaviour work. We start to cultivate social intelligence. We start to recognise when is it that we can go from one level to the next level. And that is when we have put a lot of effort into figuring out how we should master our work, how should we master our industry itself. So this, the first chapter I read was about discovering your calling called the life task. So basically, the brief background is this. Um, you, process, you possess a kind of inner force that seeks to guide you towards your life task, what you're meant to accomplish in the time you have to live. Well... In childhood, this force was very clear to you. It directed you towards activities and subjects that fit your natural inclinations, that sparked a curiosity that was deep and primal. And then, in the intervening years, the force tends to fade in and out as you did listen to more parents and peers, to the daily anxieties that wear away at you. This can be the source of your unhappiness, your lack of connection to who you are and what makes you unique. The first move towards mastery is always inward. Learning who you really are and reconnecting with that innate force. Knowing it with clarity, you will find your way to the proper career path and everything else will fall in place. It is never too late to start the process. So, based on my opinion about this particular paragraph itself, I think it's important to develop self-practices and to figure out who we are as a human being. And also to reconnect with our intuition. Because I find that intuition is something that guides us in our life. But unfortunately, if we have a level of depe- a huge dependency on listening to other people to give us advice, we don't seek out ways on how we can figure things out for ourselves. We don't question things. We don't develop objectivity. We just accept, 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 listen, 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 and then do, 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 and then realize that maybe this is not something we want to do for the rest of our life. So I think the first step is to reclaiming our power, to reclaiming our responsibility, to understand that we have to figure out ourselves and that means that, uh, and, and, and that means is that we have to connect or reconnect with our inclinations. It's always about looking inwards. It's about developing certain practices, so for example, like meditation, journaling. It's about asking yourself what is it that you like, what you enjoy, what you want, and figuring out and not judging yourself because of it, but rather accepting, honoring it. For example, you know, um, last time I was in high school, I noticed that there were people in the class itself that were highly creative itself. However, maybe you know um, their parents uh, focused a lot on academics, and during you know exam period that they were not allowed to draw or like be creative and things like that, which is totally fine. I think, on some level, um, our parents tend to judge success at certain levels. For example, to them, success means you know you have to achieve maybe seventy percent or eighty percent or ninety percent in your exam scores so they can enter like university and enter a certain career path. And sometimes they may think that certain career paths are more lucrative than the rest. 
Or maybe certain career paths is that you can do that in your free time, but that's not a way to make money. And I think that developing a very strong inner voice of what you truly want and to go out there and chase for yourself can be pretty difficult. Because at some level, if you know the reality of this situation is, let's say if your parents are financing, your, they're paying for your degree, chances are they do have a little bit of a say because they are the ones forking out the money. At the same time, I think in the greater concept of life, it's important to also ask, end of the day, is what drives you as a human being? Um, it's, sometimes it's about developing the inner voice that's so deep and, and so you listen to your own self with conviction that although somebody else wants to advise you from their point of view and they care about you, at the same time, you must be able to live with the career decisions they make in your life. And I think there are times where I come across maybe people that have chosen certain parts in life based on what their parents say. However, they feel a huge level of resentment, a huge level of maybe worry that they're so far gone down the path or they study something their parents told them to study and now it's not, it's not something that they're working on. And they felt like they wasted a ton of time. And I think, I think that's when, um, I think it's about, no matter what situation that we're in right now, I think it's, we have to accept the, the, the present situation as it is and then try to figure out what is it that we truly enjoy and try to work towards it. Because I think that you know, anybody can tell you to do in your life, but they don't understand you as a human being. They don't understand the inner battles that you go through on a day-to-day basis. And for some of us, I feel like if we undergo on a day-to-day basis the struggle of going to work, the struggle of questioning ourselves, like, what am I doing here at work? Why, I'm not feeling fulfilled. And it becomes a point where it becomes to, to, to diminish your like, mental emotional health. I think that's a strong conversation that you should always try to have with yourself and always, you know, not blame anybody for the situation you're in right now because I think, um, but try to look for solutions to figure out, like, what is it you truly enjoy? What is it you can do for yourself? Because... No matter who gives us advice, at the end of the day, we have our own selves to blame if we take any advice and, you know, we, we bear the own consequences our own decision. So number two, um, the second point is that um, from the book is saying that you should look at career paths that you're already on or about to begin. The choice of path is that it's very critical. To help in this stage, you need to enlarge your concept of work itself. Too often, we make a separation in our lives that is work and there is life outside of work where we find real pleasure and fulfillment. Work is often seen as a means of making money so we can enjoy the second life that we need. And in some careers, we still tend to compartmentalize our lives in this way. This is a depressing attitude because in the end, we spend a substantial part of our life at work. Wow. Um, when I first read this particular paragraph itself, it felt like a burn because for a large part in life, I think... The way we view work is sometimes coloured by the advice we take from our parents and our friends. And for some of us, um, the advice has always been, work is work, um, you should be professional, uh, fulfil your obligations, do your best that you can. And the parts, and there are things in work sometimes you may not particularly enjoy. Maybe it's like admin tasks or, you know, things like that, you know, this is life. You may not enjoy every single thing, part of your work, but maybe let's hope for the most part you enjoy most of it. So maybe there are times where we figure out that we compartmentalize our life and, and I think it's an internal conversation that each and every one of us should have with ourselves. To what extent are we okay with it? To what extent we want to compartmentalize? I think, you know, um, 
work is a way of people sustaining themselves financially. At the same time, you know, it's this paragraph also led me to de- to decide that it's important is we should ask ourselves who are we at work and who are we outside of work, and I think it's important sometimes to choose careers based on who we are, our personality, and sometimes trying to shove ourselves to meet a particular career where we are not suited temperament wise and personality wise to the job sometimes leaves us frustrated as well. So I think it's about figuring out like how much of it, how much of you feeling happy at work or certain personalities you have is able to mesh with work as well that leads to your happiness at work as well. And the third point is that you must see your career or vocational path as more as a journey with twists and turns rather than a straight line. You begin by choosing a field position that roughly corresponds with your inclination. This initial position offers you room to maneuver important skills to learn. So basically what it says is that if you go through multiple career transitions in your life, it's okay, you're normal. Um, and you should always be expanding a skill base. And this is about, maybe life is a mostly experimentation and that experimentation mindset should also trickle down to work. Because there are things that we think we like, we start doing it, and then we realize maybe we like certain things or we don't like certain things. And it's about maybe trying to figure out the field that pays you enough um, to sustain the livelihood, at the same time gives you enough opportunity to grow as a person, and at the same time also something that you will relatively like to do. So sometimes I think a career is not a straight line going up, but it's more like a Venn diagram. As in you, like think about three circles. One circle is what the, what the industry wants right now, what the industry is willing to pay for. Second circle, what you enjoy doing. Third circle is maybe your sense of happiness when it comes to work. What is it about work that makes you happy? You know, is it the people? Is it the, the analytical skill sets you develop? Is it the social aspects that you like? Is it, you know, the, is it other things about work that you like to do? So when you overlap these three circles together, that technically should be your sweet spot. So it's sometimes it's about finding out, like having that realistic expectation about what work is, what you're good at, what skills you bring to the table, and what do you enjoy and um, what do you enjoy about work basically. At the end of the day, I think the reason why this book emphasizes on figuring out what you like to do is this: we have to learn how to develop ourselves because in a globalized, harsh, competitive world out there, there's a lot of critical problems and opportunities. So that means is that if you're able to develop yourself as a person, you're able to jump on those opportunities and then take advantage of those opportunities and make something out for yourself. And end of the day, I think is that, as we, no- as we notice, maybe religion used to play a huge part about giving people a sense of purpose. And maybe for people who are atheists or agnostic or people who don't particularly believe in religion, um, I, some, I somewhat subscribe to that a philosophy of not really believing in religion. I think that you have to build your own world. It's, you have to give yourself a sense of direction. And if you look at the average person's life, they spend a lot of it at work as well. So being able to give yourself direction and work towards something that's higher than you and bigger than you gives a sense of purpose as well. So at the same level, when you, you're able to do that, when you're able to achieve a certain amount of things that you thought was impossible when you first started out in your career, this sort of gives you like a self of self-awareness 
self-confidence and self-esteem that this is something you've done, this is something you created for yourself. You have tried and you have developed yourself through the years and now this is something that you can really enjoy because you have cultivated in your life. So basically, is um, now this chapter itself talks about you know, how do you develop mastery level. So basically, it says this, that you should return to your origins, your primal inclination strategy. And it says the following, in order to master a field, you must love the subject and feel a profound connection to it. Your interest must transcend the field itself and broaden the religious. Otherwise, I would translate this as you should have the level of interest where it's not just within the industry itself but maybe it's a larger concept for example like maybe people who love analytical uh, who love being in an analytical situations itself it's not the job that gives them that but i think they are they are their hunger to solve problems to have the sense of satisfaction when troubleshooting things that that sort of makes them push through no matter how things get difficult at work the second the second step of how to develop mastery is occupy the perfect niche. End of the day, I think, is that when we get into the working life, we realise that, that in life we have to compete for resources and survival. And if we work in very competitive fields, this tends to be really tricky because there are times where you have to play the political game, you have to win scarce resources for yourself, and in a way, after a while, you get sort of burnt out because there's only so much competition you can do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think it, this book also talks about basically occupying a niche. So when it talks about occupying a niche, it says that try to find out something that corresponds to your interests, you know. Try to find out something that, that the market is willing to pay for. And when possible, you try to find out what is that narrow field that nobody is responding to the problems of the market, but you're able to respond and give solutions. So in a way that you are working still with reality at the same time is that you're trying to move to a situation where you don't have to compete so much with other people. The third suggestion from this book is that avoid the false part, the rebellion strategy. So I think when it talks about the false path, it's about if there's something that we are jumping into for the wrong reasons, for example, money, fame, attention, we often experience a kind of emptiness that we try to fill with other things. And if we're not clear on the path that we have picked, sometimes it could be a case that you pick the wrong goal, thinking it would give you something that you really wanted, but in the end, the goal wasn't the right goal to begin with, and you end up wasting a lot of time. So, end of the day, I think, when you experience maybe dissatisfaction in career, or maybe you felt like maybe this wasn't the path you were supposed to be on. So, the book actually talked about two strategies, which is, you have to realize as early as possible you have chosen your career for the wrong reasons. So you have to be honest with yourself. You have to have self-awareness. And you really have to decipher yourself. Like, is it a difficult situation you're going through the learning stage? Or have you really chosen something you're not suited for? And you have to admit that to yourself. And then number two is to actively rebel against those forces that have pushed you away from the true path. So basically saying that you have to develop your inner voice and also be able to develop your own stand for yourself against your parents or people that push you in the wrong direction. And end of the day is about establishing your own identity as a person. And I think maybe 
just to say on broad general terms, it may be in Asian culture, maybe parents, certain parents tend to push the children in certain industries that they think it's lucrative or it's beneficial. For example, like what, 10, 20 years ago, maybe esports wasn't a thing, gaming wasn't a thing. Like even freaking blogging wasn't a thing. Like like people would probably parents of those generations would say, like, you know, how can you make money out of sport esports or gaming or blogging? But nowadays, as we can see, there's a lot of people that have made a ton of money in those industries itself. So sometimes I think when you are trying to figure out what works for you as a person and where you want to devote a lot of your energy and time and effort and attention to and your entire life to, you have to be able to figure out what is it that makes you happy and maybe in some situations if certain things are not giving you the happiness that you're looking for or certain things you're not suited towards in a career perspective, how fast can you admit that to yourself so you can begin to start the process of finding or moving towards the direction that you're more suited towards. So the fourth part is, a uh, fourth solution is let go of the past, the adaptation strategy. So basically what this, chap- what this paragraph says is that um, you're not tied down to a particular position. Your loyalty is not to a career or company. You're committed to your life tasks by giving its full expression. It's up to you to find it and guide it correctly. It's not up to others to protect or help you. You're on your own. In that sense, I think um, this paragraph is pretty interesting because I feel that as much as companies want to give something that's... They want their employees to be happy, at some level, happiness at your work is pretty much on your shoulder. It's not about the company trying to cater a lot of things to you. Um, it's also about how do you actively play a role in finding your own happiness at work itself. And also, understanding, I think, throughout the process is that you have to ask yourself and strive and, and try to be proactive in creating happiness, job satisfaction for yourself. And that's not going to come from a company. For example, like some people are driven by different needs. For example, to some people, like let's say they worked with you know XYZ company that had the create this awesome like food stable, like incredible like free food, or incredible like rec- recreational activities or social activities outside of work. To them, that's something that they aim for. But for some other people, that may not be the same thing itself. You know, for some people, they don't care about free food at work. They don't care about those recreational activities. They don't care about like social events or whatnot outside of work. To them, they're motivated by different things itself. So I think, end of the day, is a question about figuring out like, you can only figure out how much of it that you want. And if you figure out something is appealing to you from a company standpoint or a career standpoint, then you should actively move towards it instead of waiting passively for the company to give you something. And I think at the same time as well, um, companies nowadays, I think they are trying to retain workers because they realize that maybe the generation, the millennial generation, are generation of people that they're open to trying a lot of things. Um, maybe they job hop a lot at some level while trying to figure out what works for them in the end. So as much as companies try to cater and, and make their workers happy as well, I think it's, as individuals, we have the responsibility to figure out like what is it that we want to do and you know how do we, how do we channel our own interests, our own skill sets, and decide which industry that we want to be a part of. And to do that, we have to be flexible. We always have to look to adapt to different things. So the next solution um, from this book itself is find your way back, the life or death strategy. So basically it means is that 
there are times when you often deviate because of the layer of money of more immediate prospects of prosperity but because this does not comply with something deep within you your interest will lag eventually money will not come easily it means that basically this i think this particular solution is for those that feel like maybe on a monetary level they are happy but they kind of feel some sort of emptiness inside of them that they have to feel with diversion and it basically this paragraph also says the way back requires a sacrifice you cannot have everything in the present the road to mastery requires patience you have to keep your focus on the five to year or five or ten years down the road where you will where you will reap oh god where you will reap the rewards of your effort and basically it means is that people I think when people have gotten to a situation where they feel they have hit the ceiling in terms of where they want to reach in their career, sometimes to go back or to try new things requires a sacrifice. And that also means is that they may have to be ready to have that question with themselves, are they willing to make that sacrifice? Um, at the same time myself, they have to have the awareness that um, to gain mastery level is not a one year, two year thing. It's actually like a five to ten year down the plan where you have enough experience, you have enough time spent on the job and your industry itself, and a certain level of knowledge, observation, and self-awareness. And then by then maybe you you but you would be able to have some sort of satisfaction in your job as well. And I think I think is it's about sometimes focusing on being proficient at simple and immediate skills. It's not about... It's basically trying to strike a balance between dreaming big for yourself and as well as focus on immediate things that you need to do to gain certain skill sets that can help you immediately. And there's another thing that uh, appeared inside this paragraph as well, which was, do not envy those who seem to be naturally gifted. It's often a curse, as such types rarely learn the value of diligence and focus. I think for people who who have to struggle with certain things that things don't come naturally to them. Sometimes I think because they realize that deficiency within themselves, they spend a lot of time trying to figure out what are they good at and other things. Uh, they try to develop certain skill sets. And sometimes through, sometimes through the fact that they are not naturally inclined to certain things, for example, they become more focused. They try to figure out ways that, that they can compensate on certain situations. For example, let's say if um, maybe take a position of somebody who's working in the marketing industry right now, um, maybe their skill set is not very good in conversational copywriting. So for some people, maybe they have that kind of skill set where they're able to do something very quickly and, and it comes naturally to them. But for some people that have to struggle a little bit, they sort of develop certain ways of learning from other people. They practice more observational skills and they, they start to implement things very quickly. So I think sometimes when it comes to the fit solution itself, but reversal, it's about figuring out yourself if you've reached a situation where now you're no longer satisfied or maybe you're battling with certain inner situations where you question that maybe you're, you might be happier elsewhere. I think sometimes it's, a, sometimes it's a question of like, if you want to start from scratch again on another industry, for example, try a new career transition, it's about realizing that you, there is a sacrifice that you have to pay. Um, when you're starting at a certain level. So the question is sometimes whether you're, you're willing to pay that sacrifice. And at the same time, also not forgetting that, let's say you have made a career transition, 
there's certain skill sets, certain attitudes and certain mindset that you carry forward from your previous job, from your previous career over to your new one. So the question is, um, are you able to capitalize on those previous skill sets and then move quickly down the ranks to your new job as well? Uh, because I think sometimes when we contemplate about career transition or particularly in my case, you know, sometimes we feel that there's an overwhelming sense of like, can I make this happen? You know, will I be able to get what I want? Or will I be able to get my foot through the door enough to learn from the bottom, even though you are willing to do so? So sometimes I think it's that this particular chapter of the book, the first chapter, it gives a lot of things to think about when it comes to your mindset. At the same time, it gives you also actionable tips and also strategies on how to navigate through the situation and also develop mastery itself. So I'm pretty much like almost, not even halfway, I think probably two chapters into the book. I think this book is very interesting and the reason why I think about it this way is that I think there are a lot of people out there that struggle through their work, working life where they take advice from their parents and their friends and their peers and sometimes is that there is a benefit from taking advice from them but it's sometimes that there are certain blind spots that that they may have overlooked and so i think through books like this that addresses um, topics when it comes to mindset and also things that we can do to help ourselves in the working environment i think it's so key because when a concept is being transmitted through a book you have the capability of revisiting the same book itself through different years as you go through life and therefore you can see the transition of at the first time when that idea was introduced to you as a person through this book you had a certain kind of reaction towards it you probably took certain lessons from the book and started implementing it directly and certain start, started to see the results and maybe an, a year later when you're re- reading the same book again then you have a different input to to the same paragraph or same sentence that you read. So in a way that book, what to me books do is that books are basically like conversations with people that has been crystallized. They can keep revisiting over and over again and sort of direct, directly engaging with ideas in the book itself and seeing how this implementing certain ideas, certain mindsets helps you in your day-to-day life. So that's pretty much what I enjoyed about this book so far. Um, my plan is that pretty much as I go through the book, I'll be talking about the things I've learned from it. And yeah, I'll be, I'm quite interested to talk about books I read so far and share what I've learned is because I think when I read something and I find something interesting is because I think that this concept itself probably would benefit a bunch of, human, a bunch of people around us and start the dialogue. And it can be those situations, one of those situations where you come across a certain idea and then you start discussing with a friend and then they also have certain ideas of how they react to this idea that you presented to them as well, or they have their own different interpretations, which is quite interesting as well. So, you know, this is pretty much the end of the podcast, talking about Mastery, Chapter 1. So that's basically like five, six, seven, seven to eight chapters of Mastery. So I'll be addressing these chapters as I go along. So yeah, thank you for listening.